Welcome to the grand finale episode of the Truth For Your 20s podcast. Funny story, I actually recorded this episode before the quarantine, before the global pandemic, had no clue what was to come, and this episode is all about dating. Y'all, it's incredible, but it felt kind of irrelevant to post it in the middle of when everyone was locked indoors, right? But now that a little restrictions have lifted and we are the grand finale of our last episode of the year for the Truth For Your 20s podcast, we're going to turn one years old July 1st, but taking the month of June off. That being said, this is our last episode and we're going out with a bang. Everything you possibly ever wanted to know about dating from expert counselor and author of three books on the subject of dating. Deborah Fietta is my guest today, a licensed professional counselor specializing in dating and marriage and relationship issues. So I'm really stoked about this because not only does she have the passion, she has the studies and the know-how to give you guys just truths when it comes to this ever (laughs) ambiguous world of dating. You might know her from True Love Dates, which is the handle of her Instagram. She has some incredible wisdom when it comes to dating, being single, marriage, and all the stuff in between. I am really, really pumped about this episode, and it's so perfect that it ended up being our grand finale. I can't wait for you guys to hear this. Hi, my name is Ava. This is your True For Your 20s podcast with your host, Katie Bormer, my mom. Enjoy listening. My name is Katie Bulmer, a former heartbroken and hungover sorority girl. After I stopped looking for love in all the wrong fraternity boys, God blessed me with a husband who shows Christ's love to me every single day. We are parents of two daughters and thousands of others nationwide, and my heart behind everything I do is to give you truths. The world is screaming at you a bunch of lies, and I don't want you to hear those loud voices. I want you to hear the true voices. Grab your earbuds, grab a chai tea, and let's talk about some truth for your 20s. Hey guys, before we dive into the podcast, I want to let you know my speaking options for fall semester. If you're listening to this near the time that it's recorded at the end of May, I know there's still a lot up in the air for fall semester, but I'm offering online and in-person speaking options. If you go ahead and book me as an in-person event and you realize we have restrictions or whatever, I will gladly work with you for rescheduling or going online or whatever works best for your college. But I encourage you to go ahead and check out my website and start the conversation about getting that booked. But I wanted to go ahead and let you know I do have both of those options available on my website, katiebulmer.life, for virtual or in-person keynotes. My message is called Sorority Girls Can Change the World, and you can find out all about what that means at katiebulmer.life. Deborah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's so great to be with you today. I'm excited. So first, just kind of give us a little bit of an overview about who you are and how you got into all the things you're doing now. Yeah, so I'm Deborah Faleta, and um, my my main job is I'm a licensed professional counselor, and my specialty area has basically formed into relationships along the way. You know, when I first started in my practice, I was working with all kinds of things, depression, anxiety, um, you know, abuse, addictions, you name it. 
And then God just kind of started slowly shifting my heart towards the topic of relationships. And I would see singles, I would see married couples, I would see pre-marriage couples who were really kind of struggling in the world of relationships. And then slowly that kind of became um, my area of focus. And it's interesting because it's always been something that God has put on my heart, even since I was a little girl. It's something that I just really enjoyed learning about. So fast forward a few years, you know, I'm I'm working in private practice and the Lord kind of puts it on my heart to write a book about dating and relationships uh, because I've done it the right way and I've done it the wrong way. And so um, that book was called True Love Dates and it was published by Zondervan in 2013. And um, it was what, essentially catapulted me into becoming uh, a speaker and a teacher and a website creator. I I eventually started a a blog called truelovedates.com offering relationship advice. And it was kind of my way to market this new book. But little did I know that God had bigger plans for the blog than he even had for the book. And the blog kind of took off. And so that blog with the relationship advice has kind of taken me across the country teaching and preaching and speaking about the subject of healthy relationships. Oh my goodness. How exciting. So it's interesting. You said that your book kind of launched you. I found that to be the case myself, but we're part of a mastermind with other like speakers and authors. Uh And I think it's actually more rare that usually you develop a platform and then have a book. Yes. Interesting. that Totally. Yeah. It's usually the opposite way. Usually you spend years building a platform or, or a blog, and then you eventually get a book deal. But it yeah. happened the opposite way for me. I didn't even have a following at all. I was just literally a licensed counselor raising two babies <sighs> at home, you know, and, and I didn't, I, I, I'd always loved ministry and been involved in ministry, but I never really uh, thought, you know, to build a platform that just wasn't something that you did back then. And, and so, um, God sometimes just takes the little you have and multiplies it to feed thousands in a way that you didn't expect. So I'm so grateful for that. Preach to that. Okay. So your book, the first book is True Love Dates. I, I love this title and I'd love to kind of hear how you came to this to this title. And then a lot of stuff has come from that, the podcast and and a lot of your book, your uh, blog. So tell me how you came to that title. Yeah. So, so back when I was in the world of dating, um, I remember the the main theme back then, and, and it still has infiltrated into our contemporary culture with Christian dating, but the main idea was that you should avoid dating that you should kiss dating goodbye and that dating isn't good for you because it sort of sets you up for divorce because you break up and then you date and you break up and it's just an unhealthy thing. So back then the model was what they called courtship. And it was kind of a a really strict approach to dating where you'd want to have chaperones and You'd want to ask the parents if you could date this person. And um, it it almost elevated dating to the place of marriage instead of letting dating be its own, its own field, its own opportunity for trial and error. It sort of elevated it to this, this pseudo marriage type of thing. And people just took dating way too seriously. And so back then, you know, the, the whole thing was 
don't date. And I just felt like on the other end of the spectrum, the world is telling you to date and it's telling you to hook up and it's telling mm-hmm. you to live together and have sex. So, so what is the average Christian supposed to do if they don't fit on that extreme side and they don't want to have a chaperone everywhere they go, mm-hmm. but they also don't fit on that other extreme of just hooking up and sleeping around. Like there has to be a way for Christians to be able to engage in healthy dating relationships without having regrets. And so that's where the idea of true love dates came from. You know, there's, I don't know if you remember, there was a whole movement called true love waits yeah. and it was about saving sex for marriage. And I, I love the idea of saving sex for marriage. I think it's so valuable and and so in line with God's heart. But but the the title "True Love Dates" is kind of a play on words of um, the the models that we've kind of come from that tell you to avoid dating and relationships altogether. Okay, I love it. I love it. So one of my passions in talking to young people is. Well, one of these quotes that I say a lot is you can't be what you can't see. And we have so few examples of what it even looks like to date healthy as a Christian. You know, like you said, there's these extremes of shacking up and the Tinder (laughs) revelation or whatever that is. Yeah. And then there's going on, you know, having courtships and going with your mom and dad on dates. Like, but I'm curious, do you have just what is thank God I'm not in the dating world right now, but say I'm 20 years old. Uh, I like a guy, like what are some boundaries and healthy guidelines on how to do this thing? Well, yeah, well, true love dates is broken up into three main sections. The first section is dating inward. The second section is dating outward. And the third section is dating upward. And the idea behind these three sections is when you can learn to date in these three ways, inward, outward and upward, you're going to learn how to have a healthy dating relationship. So dating inward, what is that all about? Well, it starts with dating yourself. You have got to look in before you actually start dating other people. You have got to take the time to date inward and figure out how healthy you are standing alone because human beings are magnetic and we attract people who are on our level of emotional, spiritual, and mental health. So so let's just say you're a girl who finds herself constantly dating jerks. You are just constantly engaging in a cycle of toxic relationships. Well, what is wrong? Why am I attracting all these unhealthy guys? What is up with me? Well, you've got to take a step back and ask yourself, how healthy are you? What is it about you that's drawing these kind of relationships and attracted to these type of relationships? So a lot of dating inward, as you'll kind of see in unpacking the book, True Love Dates, is that I talk about the importance of dealing with your past because so much of our past baggage makes its way into our present relationships. You know, the things you've learned about love, the things you've seen your parents engage in, all of the things that you learn about love and the things that you learn about yourself influence the way that you're going to date. So if you're dealing with baggage that's never been worked through, hurts, struggles, pain, abuse, addictions, abandonment, betrayal, whatever it is in your past, if those wounds remain um, unhealed, 
you're going to bring that stuff into relationships and people don't really think about that. So dating inward is a huge piece to this. You've got to understand your past. You've got to understand your identity in the present and you've got to have a vision for your future. So, so really that's kind of the, the bottom line of, of the ministry in general and where it starts is the, the idea that healthy people make healthy relationships. So you, you really have to start healthy dating by taking inventory of your personal health. Oh, that's so good. I always say a quote is not original to me. Andy Stanley says, be who you're looking for is looking for. Yeah. So, you know, I used to think, oh, well, I'm just going to dance on the bar and like drink what I want and sleep with who I want. And meanwhile, this wonderful Christian guy is going to come sweep me off my feet and we're going to dance into the sunset. Like that, that <laughs> what right. planet was I living on? Like, it's so crazy. You have to become this version of best, best version of yourself to attract that. So that, yes, yes. And, and not only that, but when you become healthy, you're going to start repelling people who are unhealthy. Yeah. Like your radar is on high alert now. And maybe the things you never noticed before that were unhealthy, now that you've become healthy, you're going to recognize those, th- those things right away. You're going to recognize the kind of people who fit into your life from the kind of people who don't, you know, your radar is going to be on fire and you're not going to have the opportunity to entertain bad relationships because you're going to recognize them from the get-go and, and, and things change as you move toward personal health. So it's a huge part of my message and everything that I teach and preach, not that I don't talk about healthy dating. And, you know, the second section of True Love Dates is all about engaging in healthy relationships, setting boundaries emotionally and physically and spiritually and knowing what you want and all of that good stuff. But you can't just jump into that without really taking inventory of where you're at emotionally and spiritually and psychologically. So first it's doing the inward work, becoming yep, that inward. Yep. Yeah. That's beautiful. I, I frustrates me when I see young people, like they get out of a, a hurtful relationship and they think that jumping into an, another relationship will fix you, which is so crazy because it's like, you know, you have a broken leg and you think to fix it, you're going to go for a jog. Like you have to take a step back, heal, become well, and then you can get back into the dating. But I love what you said. So next it's upward. So this is like establishing what's important to you in the dating relationship. Is that what's next? Next is dating outward. Outward. Okay. So outward would be um, looking out at the people around you and looking out at the the relationships that you're having. It really dating outward means if dating inward means assessing your personal health, dating outward is assessing the health of your interpersonal relationships, how you're engaging with people and the level of health that you're bringing to the table when you're actually interacting with people of the opposite sex. Like what does that look like? Do you have boundaries? Do you jump head first into a relationship and you just trust everybody and anybody and you just share your life story and you just go all in? Or do you ease into it? You know, you start at the shallow end and move towards the deep end. Like people do relationships differently. And a lot of times we're not taught to have boundaries uh, we, as Christians, sometimes we talk about physical boundaries a lot, which is really important, but we don't talk about emotional and spiritual boundaries and emotional mm-hmm. and spiritual connection when it's done prematurely with the wrong person can be just as damaging, if not more than a lack of physical boundaries. So, so there's a lot to be said about emotional and spiritual boundaries as well. 
That's interesting. So I've heard it said that there's different levels of intimacy. Of course, we talk a lot about physical intimacy, but then we have, you know, the spiritual and relational and that, so do you find that as well? So even if this couple like hasn't got, had sex, but there's so many other relational intimacy, then when that is broken up, then that can be very painful. Well, totally. I I remember I was talking to a young woman who had been in a relationship with this pastor. She was a young, a young woman. He was a young pastor. And so they wanted to start the relationship on the right foot. So I, I, you know, she told me that they, when they started the relationship right away, like within that first week, they had this foot washing ceremony and he was just like, you know, committed to serving her and honoring her and sacrificing for her, which I mean, that's pretty intense for the first week of dating, whatever, you know, everyone does things a little differently, not what I would recommend, but then their relationship progressed really fast spiritually. So all of a sudden, every single day, they're doing devotions together. They're praying with each other. They're sharing the the deepest, darkest secrets. They're talking about their sins and struggles. They're connecting emotionally and spiritually. But when when you're just in the beginning of dating, you shouldn't be that intimately connected with someone spiritually because you're just getting to know them. It's a time of exploration. It's not a time of intimacy that early on in a relationship. So long story short, three months into the relationship and, and things got bad, you know, they started having conflict that they couldn't overcome and they ended up breaking up. And when she broke up with him and I was talking to her, she was just devastated. She felt like she had gotten a divorce because she was so interconnected with this guy, but way beyond the actual commitment of the relationship. Like you shouldn't be that intensely connected to someone that you've been dating for three months. There has got to be boundaries with the level of spiritual and emotional intimacy that you're giving in a relationship, especially that early on. Oh my goodness. That's good stuff. So your podcast, you have a Q&A style, which I think is brilliant. And so people write in or call in with questions. Is that correct? Yeah. So people can call in. Um, they send voice memos to my my website or my email. And um, I get their questions. Sometimes I even have people on the show live where we're chit-chatting about whatever is going on in their mind, whatever is going on in their relationship. And so, yeah, it's a hotline style show. And I just answer questions. I love that. So can you, I'm sure you get a lot of questions more than once. (laughs) Can you share with us like some of the most popular questions? Yeah. You know, I feel like this, it it tends to happen in themes. Um, I would say the most recent theme has been, do you believe that there's one person out there for you? I get that all the time. Yeah. So that's always a good question that I love to chit chat about. Um, Because a lot of people have different beliefs about this, but I remember specifically, and I write about this, I I just wrote a new book called Love in Every Season. And um, when you, the the first sentence of the book is, it wasn't love at first sight. And I'm talking about my relationship with my husband because him and I had completely different experiences when we first met each other. And I, I, I love that we had different experiences because it's such a great teaching opportunity just to show that, you know, my, when I met my husband, I literally did not look at him and think there's the man I'm going to marry. Yeah. I thought to myself, 
why would anyone wear a long sleeve shirt with shorts? That just <laughs> does not work. <laughs> like that was my first thought. <laughs> and when he met me, he looked at me and he thought to himself, there's something about this girl. I just have this feeling that I am going to marry her. So he had this insane feeling and I had this extremely superficial feeling, but it didn't matter what we believed. It didn't matter if I believed there was such thing as one person out there for me, or if there wasn't one such thing as one person out there for me. We both believe different things. John probably would say he believes more and that there's one person out there for you. I would say I believe less. You know, I kind of see it as, well, there's so many different people we could marry and we're responsible for making a wise marital choice. Like God gives us the wisdom to do that. But either way, it didn't matter what we believed because what we had to do next was the same. We had to pass through what I call the four seasons of a relationship, spring, summer, fall, and winter. And every season that you walk through in a relationship reveals to you more and more about the health of the relationship and whether or not the relationship is going to be a good fit for you. So that's kind of the, the the latest book that I wrote called Love in Every Season is sort of about that journey for both of us and how even though you might believe different things at the get-go, you still have to determine over the course of time if this relationship is healthy and good or not. Oh man, this is good. This is good stuff. Yeah, I get that question a lot too. That That's one of the best answers I've ever had, by the way. That's amazing. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm curious, what do you normally say to that? Well, I say I don't believe the whole one person myth. I think that who you choose to marry is your one person and yeah. you yeah, every day, like get to, there's a song from journey. The eighties band says, I get the joy of rediscovering you. And so every day you're learning and, you know, my husband and I are not the same people we were 15 years ago, but we're yeah. always and falling in love over and over again. So I don't believe in, it's just, you know, stars align and, you know, all that stuff is feelings and that's all chemistry. Right. Okay. To have not necessarily okay, but it is normal to have feelings and chemistry. You can for more than one person, but when you make that lifelong commitment, then that is your person and you get the joy of that sacrificial and always loving and always looking to rediscover and learn and fall in love all over again with the same person. Totally. Once, once you say I do, they become the one and that's the bottom line. And the, the, the opposite end of this theory is when people come to me in counseling And they say, I think I chose the wrong one. I think I didn't hear God's will. I must have chosen the wrong one. And so that's where, that's where this mentality can be harmful is when we then say, well, if there is such thing as the one and I chose the wrong person, I got to find the right person. But no, once you say I do, you have chosen the one, like there's no more, there's no more to it than that. Um, and our responsibility is to make a wise choice and, and make sure we're choosing somebody who's a good match for our lives. What I try and harp into my younger single friends, like you get the the choice to choose who you want to love all the days of your life. And I think, you know, a lot of young people get so wrapped up in, oh, well, I just want to get married or, oh, I just, I don't know, they get stars in their eyes, but then, you know, you get to choose one person for the rest of your life. So choose wisely. Yeah. And then I'm curious when people you know, in the counseling office say, I chose the wrong one. Like what is, how do you unpack that? How do you help them? Well, well, really what I, what I will essentially do is I'll help them walk through what I mentioned before the four stages of a relationship. So, 
you know, I'll just give you those briefly, but like spring is the season when attraction is blossoming and and affection is blooming. Spring is the season where you've got to plant good seeds because what what you plant in the season of spring of the relationship is going to be the fruit that ends up coming out in the season of fall during the harvest. So you've got to be deliberate about those early, that early stage of a relationship to make sure you're planting the right things. You know, spring is a season of growth. And so there's a lot of things you need to be doing in that season. And then you move into the season of summer and summer is a season of intimacy. It's the season when things begin to get hot and you start shedding your layers and revealing a little bit more about who you are. And, and, and so in the season of summer, a couple has to work on their intimacy emotionally and their intimacy spiritually and their intimacy physically. So we've got to kind of check off those things and see how those things are going in the relationship. And then you move into the season of fall and fall is the season when your true colors start to shine through and you realize you're two different people with two different family of origin backgrounds, two different expectations, personalities. Like you bring so many differences to the table of a relationship And in the season of fall, you got to get really good at understanding how to take conflict and use it to better your relationship instead of pulling you apart. So, so fall is really the season where we assess a couple's conflict and communication and how well they're doing in those things. And then the season of winter is the last season. And I always say winter is the season of comfort and familiarity. Like, like if, if, if some, if spring is the season where you're making out, winter tends to be the season where you're making runs to Home Depot instead of making out, like things change, you know? And, and it's a great season because there's so much comfort between people in that season. But that comfort and familiarity, if you're not careful, can turn into something that I call the frost of apathy, the mm-hmm. slow cooling of a relationship where all of a sudden you lose your intention, you lose your desire, you lose your your the 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 ability to just put in the work that it takes. And so so what I end up doing is kind of walking the couple through each season and seeing what can we do here? What can we do in each season that's going to strengthen your relationship overall because usually the people that are the most stuck in winter, they've lost the feelings, they've lost the love, they feel like they're frozen over. Usually they're the couples who have not gone through spring summer and fall in a healthy way. And now they're in like a severe winter. So we kind of start from square one and kind of walk through some of these main concepts and and how they play out in the relationship. Hey friends, if you haven't yet listened to our episode with Angela and Carson, Angela is a former Miss Texas and Carson is a former major league baseball player. And they both waited for marriage and have a beautiful story of finding each other. It's by far our most downloaded episode and for good reason. When I interviewed Angela and Carson, we got to know and love each other and also found out that Angela has a jewelry line. All the pieces are beautifully designed with Christian symbols, helping you to have conversations about your faith. And not only that, but to serve as a reminder that we're all part of this larger sisterhood of faith. So when you're looking down at the ring on your finger or the earrings or the necklace, it's just a reminder not only of who you belong to, but you are a part of a sisterhood of brave believers bold in their faith. 
And what I love about Angela is she is offering all our Truth for Your 20s listeners free shipping with promo code TRUTH. So you can check that out on my website, katiebulmer.life, or just go to elevarijewelry.com and enter in promo code TRUTH and get yourself free shipping. Oh, that's so good. I heard something actually just yesterday on a podcast that it made me think of this when you were talking. It says that what you what you attract them with is what you keep them with. And I think about how a lot of times we get tricked into thinking, you know, I'm going to attract him with my bikini picture on Instagram, or I'm going to attract him with these superficial things. But when you're 50, that bikini picture is going to look different. And, you know, like, but getting back to uh, I think you said it was the fall, your true colors. Yeah. That is beautiful because that is like underneath the facade of, I don't know, you know, this filter of who we're trying to be in our best put, foot forward. Of course, it's normal to put your best foot forward in a relationship, but getting to the root of who you are yeah. and attracting, yeah, attracting that mate with that, that's so much more beautiful and long lasting. It's so true. And in the season of fall, I love analogies. It, it was really fun for me to write love in every season because I just love analogies so much and I love the seasons, but fall is my favorite season in nature. And just seeing all of the different analogies that emerged as I was writing this book, like for example, one chapter is is called Bare Branches because in fall, the leaves begin to fall and you realize you've got nowhere left to hide. Your branches are bare and you are vulnerable and you've got to learn to be authentic with this person standing before you. And 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 you're right. Like what, what attracted you in spring looks completely different in this season of fall because you've got nowhere left to hide and it's your true self. And so what you attract them with is is important because that's all that's going to be left when all the leaves are gone later on in the relationship. I keep writing notes of what I want to highlight for social media, and I've already got like a hundred things. That I want to. <laughs> <laughs> this is so good. Okay, so do you have any other like super common questions that you get when people call into your podcast? Um, when it comes to dating and relationships, people are always wondering how important physical attraction is. So I camp out on that a lot, um, because I think physical attraction is important, like you were just saying, but it is literally one piece to the equation of a healthy relationship. It's not the main piece. There's four different levels. Um, what I call them is four laws of attraction and, Physical attraction is just one piece to the puzzle. There's got to be spiritual attraction. There's got to be personal attraction. There's got to be a mental and emotional attraction and not just physical. Like how many times do we base a relationship on whether or not we're initially physically attracted to somebody when usually there's a lot more to a healthy relationship than just the, the initial physical attraction or lack thereof. In fact, I've even met couples who weren't necessarily originally physically attracted to each other, but then the more they got to know each other and the more they connected emotionally, mentally, spiritually, the more the physical attraction grew and turned into something really significant. So that's another question I always get. I'm always reminding people about the importance of keeping physical attraction in check and in balance. Oh man, that's awesome. I was looking at some of the previous podcast interviews you've done and I am a huge fan of Gary Thomas. I recommend his book, Sacred Search 
I mean, I should be the poster child of that book. I think it's so good. <laughs> and you guys had a talk on how to walk away from a toxic relationship. Is that right? We did. Yeah. Tell me all the things. Yeah, it was so interesting because Gary and I, um, w- what's cool is Gary wrote this book about toxic relationships and he actually sent it to me um, before it was published just to kind of put my counselor eyes on it and give him some feedback or suggestions on on this really important topic that Christians don't often give much attention to, right? Like like we feel like Christians, our, our responsibility is to give and give and give and let me just tell you something that has recently, um, God has just recently put on my heart. And I also wrote about it in love in every season in the, in the season of spring, because like I mentioned to you before, spring is a season of growth, right? It's a season when you see if a relationship is growing and we can apply these seasons to any relationship. You know, every relationship goes through seasons. It's not just romantic relationships, but let me just tell you a little bit about growth in this season of spring. I have what we call a black thumb. And what I mean by that is I cannot keep plants alive. I am terrible at keeping plants alive. And so my husband got me these little succulents. Um, They're these little cactus type plants that only need a tiny bit of water. You just have to put like one ice cube a week and you can keep them alive. Because my tendency is to just forget about them altogether and they die. So I have these succulents and I'm like, okay, I only have to water them once a week. Well, I kept forgetting if I had already watered them or not. So I ended up over watering them and they died. And I learned from that debacle that if you give a plant too little water, it will die. But if you give it too much water, it will also die. And relationships are the same. When we go into relationships and we're giving too little our relationship is going to die. But when we go into a relationship and we're giving too much, our relationship will also die. And I think it's important for Christians, especially to understand that because we're taught to give and give and give even in the face of unhealthy, toxic relationships. We continue to give, we continue to love, we continue to forgive without expecting anything in return. But what we find ourselves in is a one-way relationship that's draining and unhealthy and not what God intended for us. So so really the the importance is to understand like healthy relationships are made of give and take. And and especially for girls who are dating, like we get into these relationships and we give and give and give and the guy doesn't give us anything back. He's not texting, he's not initiating anything and we are just constantly doing all the work and then what do we do? We make excuses for him and we say, "Well, he's probably probably just really busy. You know, he's probably got a lot on his plate. Maybe he's just really shy. And, and then we end up doing all the work in the relationship and that's not a healthy place to be. So I think it's really important to take inventory of how much we're giving and what our expectation is about receiving as well and make, making sure that we're engaging in a healthy give and take, especially in dating. Cause that's the framework for the rest of your life. I'm like nodding my head so hard. I literally just yesterday had a conversation with a girl in this exact situation. The guy broke up with her, but she was in this toxic relationship, giving, giving, giving. I mean, he, she was on a vacation. He was supposed to pick her up and left her four hours at a train station, you know, and like 
and made excuses for him, excuses for him. And well, he's busy and blah, blah, blah. And he never called. And she even asked one time, if I called, would you call me? And he's like, probably not. And wow. you know, I know, and hurtful after hurtful, but then now he's, she's heartbroken. And why would God take this away from me? I'm like, honey, he is saving you. I know. <laughs> like, yeah, out of that. Oh my goodness. So I, it's so interesting that you say that. I actually wrote an article at truelovedates.com that's called Five Guaranteed Ways to Attract a Jerk. Oh. And the first and foremost way is to do pretty much everything in the relationship, followed by number two, make excuses. Because mm. You giving excuses and telling yourself, oh, he was just too busy or, oh, he's got too much on his plate. Like you're taking away the responsibility for them to put effort in a relationship, you know, and, and, and there's guaranteed ways to attract a jerk and you end up doing all the work. You end up giving way too many chances. You end up believing that you can change them when really you can't. And really it's not even your job. To change them. So if you're interested in finding out how to attract a jerk, you can search that on my website and it will tell you how to attract a jerk. And if you don't want to attract a jerk, all you have to do is the opposite of those things, you know, mm-hmm. and you're good mm-hmm. to go. And you're good to go. <laughs> I love it. So you, do you write pretty regularly on the true love dates blog? I do. I still write regularly. I would say at this point, um, I used to write like three articles a week, but now I do about one new article a week and then one podcast episode a week. So if you subscribe to my blog, you will get a new article in your inbox each week and a new podcast episode each week. So you you have a lot of content then out there. That's awesome. Oh man, I think there's like over 500 articles on the blog and and all over the internet, you know, everywhere from Relevant Magazine to Crosswalk, I probably have another 200 articles out there. So so basically any topic (laughs) that you can think of in the world of relationships, there's a good chance there's an article that covers it. I love that. And we'll definitely link all your stuff, but the best way, maybe they can just search True Love Dates or your name? TrueLoveDates.com is the website. And um, yeah, you'll find everything linked to the podcast, linked to the books, linked to the articles, linked to courses. You can even get um, books, uh, sessions with me over Skype if if you're interested in having a session. Nice. Well, I'm not done uh, chatting with you yet. I just wanted to make sure we give a shout out to all the good stuff you have. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So a few more questions. Let's talk about sex. Uh, this is obviously a hot topic. You know, our culture is confused. It. It's it's told it's a no strings attached with consensual adults. Yet, what is consent? No one even knows what that even means. There's just so much confusion, and there's definitely a lack of healthy examples. Yeah. So, if I was 20 and I'm looking to date and I'm looking to do this thing well, c- can you give me some suggestions of how to date with boundaries, physical boundaries, and all the things. Can you just help help the girls listening out there when it comes to this tricky world of sex? Yeah, for sure. It is extremely tricky because these days people expect it to be the norm. Like there's this like underlying expectation that culture has kind of set us up that sex is part of the equation of a relationship. And here's the thing. Sex is powerful. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I really believe that the reason a lot of times we in, in church specifically, we always tell young people to not have sex. We always tell them to save sex for marriage and that's really important, but sometimes we don't talk about the why 
Like yeah. why? Why do we save sex for marriage? Yes, because God says. But why does God say? Well, because he knows everything. And psychologically speaking, sex is powerful. When when you're engaging in sex, there is a hormone being released from your body. It's the same hormone that's released when you're nursing your baby, right? It's called oxytocin. And it's released in your bloodstream and it sends these feel-good chemicals to your brain that kind of give you a high and give you this connection with the person that you're with. So when a mother is nursing her baby, oxytocin is released and she feels this bond. It's called the bonding chemical. It's released to your brain. It makes you feel a connection towards this person. But oxytocin is released another time too. Oxytocin is released when we're having sex, when we're engaging in sexual activity, not just intercourse, but things leading up to intercourse as well. So all of a sudden, your body is sending these chemicals to your brain that is telling you that this is a person you need to bind with, connect to, bond to. This emotional connection is happening. It's getting imprinted in your brain. And so that's a beautiful thing when you're in marriage. You know, sex can be powerful. It can connect you to someone. Sex can even bring healing to broken things. Like one of my favorite analogies um, that I read in a book um, and I, I forget the name. I, I cite it in True Love Dates and I talk about this analogy. It's called the steam pipe analogy. But basically, it's the idea that, you know, if you have a steam pipe and there's pressure passing back and forth through this steam pipe, well, if if there's a crack in the steam pipe, it's going to release some of that pressure. And you're going to see, oh, look, there's some pressure getting released. There's some steam coming. There must be a crack in the pipe. And so you'll get the pipe fixed. So sex is sort of like that. If you think of your relationship as that pipe, there's tension building up in a relationship because two people who are getting to know each other in dating, there's going to be tension, right? There's going to be conflict, arguments, tension, whatever. And whenever there's tension, if there's a crack in the relationship, you're going to see that tension getting released through the crack. Oh no, we're having an argument. Oh no, this is problematic. We need to fix this. But when you are prematurely releasing that pressure, so imagine you build a pressure valve in the bottom and that's sex and you release the pressure through having sex. Well, guess what? You're not going to be able to see the cracks anymore because now the pressure is getting released through the act of sex. And so maybe your steam pipe is full of cracks. And there's cracks all over that thing. The, 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 the pipe is unhealthy. The relationship is unhealthy. But you are covering up those flaws and you're never going to see them because you're prematurely releasing the, press, the pressure through the bonding, healing act of sex. And you feel like you've got something really significant when what you actually have is a relationship full of cracks that you never saw because you never gave those cracks the opportunity to reveal themselves. And so that's why saving sex is important because you've got to really get to the heart of how healthy this relationship is before you integrate the act of sex because sex is powerful and sex is binding and sex is healing. But outside of the context of marriage, sex can hide flaws and bind you to a person that you were never meant to be bound to. And so we've got to really take it seriously. 
Oh man, that's so good. I do you follow John Mark Comer or know any of his stuff? I don't follow him too closely, but I know of him for sure. He said something that I I quote as often as I can. I thought it was brilliant, but in short, he says that that sex is like concrete because he studied the the very first time it was referenced in the Bible. The Greek word used is ekad. E-C-H-A-D, which translates to binding together at the deepest level. So translation, sex is like concrete. And so I love that because, you know, when a couple concretes themselves together, as you said, they're bound together, yet there's so many flaws and so many red flags and all their friends are saying, oh my gosh, they're such a terrible couple, but they're they're concreted, they're bound, and they don't see the flaws, as you mentioned in that pipe example as well. And it happens all the time. And two years down the road, these couple is still together and they, they don't know how to get out because of the pressure and the concrete and all the other things that they're bound and they never should have been together in the first place. Yeah, it's a very powerful thing and it's a beautiful thing. And it's something like, it's such a treasure in marriage. And um, I think dating needs to just be seen as just that, the time to really take inventory of the flaws and the cracks and make sure we're dealing with them and fixing them if we can. And if we can't, then realizing that this isn't a good match for us. And, you know, dating is the time of preparation. It is the season of, of really exploring and taking inventory of what you have because what you bring into marriage, the good, the bad, and the ugly is going to multiply by a thousand in the pressure cooker of marriage when everything comes to the surface. How long have you been married? 13 years. 13 years. Awesome. What do you, what do you know about marriage? And I'm sure, I'm sure it's three books full, but what's something <laughs> you know about marriage now that you didn't know when you got married? So much. I know. So, I mean, honestly, like you said, three books, so probably 10 books full. Yeah. But I think for me, uh, the main thing was the, the reality of how much we idealize marriage and, and how much I did is specifically, um, and how you're kind of blind, blinded to the flaws of your spouse and your own flaws. You kind of see everything with a rose-colored lens in the season of spring, you know, and everything looks amazing and wonderful and sunshiny. And then you realize that you're two selfish, flawed human beings yeah. that cannot bring healing to each other. It just doesn't work like that. And um, the the process of healing and and of God's grace and of learning to become healthy and looking back, I'm like, man, I wish I would have done more of this healing before. I really wish somebody would have pointed me to the reality that I'm not as healthy as I think I am. And there are things that I can do right now while I'm single that are going to have a great impact on my marriage later. That's what I wish somebody would have told me and walked me through then. And that's the heart behind why I do what I do is because I want singles to know that as they become healthy now, they are doing a great favor for their marriage later on. Like it is not in vain. Oh, so good. Yes. Becoming your best version of yourself is the best wedding gift you can give your future husband. So good. And I was looking back at my notes and I didn't let you finish. You talked about the inward, the outward, but what is the upward version of dating? Yes. So dating inward, outward, and then upward. Dating upward is what it sounds like. Understanding our relationship with God and how it 
fits into the picture of dating. Like one thing I talk about in True Love Dates is the idea that I call the triangle theory. And if you imagine a triangle with me, you know, God is at the top of the triangle and you're at the bottom and your significant other or future significant other is on the other side of the triangle at the base, at the bottom. And as I move toward God and as my significant other moves toward God, the closer we each get to God, the closer we move toward each other. The distance between us gets smaller and smaller and smaller because we are each moving towards the top of that triangle. We are each moving toward Jesus. And a lot of times singles will say to me, another common question is, what if I miss God's will? I mean, what if I'm living in the wrong city or I have the wrong job or I'm at the wrong college and I don't end up meeting the person that God has for me? The best advice that I give them is when you are running toward God, you're always going to be running in the right direction. As you're moving toward God and as that other person is moving toward God, the closer you are moving toward each other. And there is just something really healing and comforting about that fact is like, my main focus just has to be this one thing. I don't have to worry that I'm going to miss God's will. I don't have to worry that I'm going to miss the person that he has for me or not see him or be in the wrong place at the wrong time. I can just trust that as I move in God's direction, I'm moving the right way. Girl, preach. <laughs> I feel like we're soul sisters. I love that triangle <laughs> example. That's so good. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So even though I would love to talk to you for four more hours, um, could you tell girls what podcasts, books, blogs, all the things that you have to offer that they can get their hands on to continue this conversation? Yeah, I love that. And I, I appreciate you letting me shout out to this. I, I, I honestly feel like like you were saying about your heart towards women and, and these girls is that I feel like I'm here to disciple and to teach what I have learned along the way and what God has given me through my professional experience, but also through, through my personal life. But my podcast is called Love and Relationships with Deborah Faleda, and you can download that anywhere you get your podcasts. You can find it at my website, truelovedates.com. And then I have three books out currently, and I'm working on the fourth Yay. book, which is top secret, but hopefully I can tell you about it in the near future. But my first book is called True Love Dates. My second book is called Choosing Marriage, and it's a book for people who are single or people who are married, but but you know, it's all about um, unpacking what a healthy marriage looks like and what, what you need in order to choose marriage. And then the third book that just came out in January is called Love in Every Season. And on my website, I also have um, in-depth courses like 21 Days to Pray for Your Love Life, 21 Days to Jumpstart Your Love Life. Um, lies that you're believing about your singleness, all kinds of different courses that kind of cover some topics and a little bit more of an in-depth um, relationship coaching kind of way. Nice. That's cool that you offer the coaching as well. That's that's huge. I think a lot of people should take advantage of that. I wish I would have known you when I was 20. <laughs> I'm telling you, I wish God would have taught me these things when I was 20. <laughs> well, but I love that both of that's our heart now to like, yes. yeah, I mean, single girls listening, like you do not know how powerful it is to, as she said, work on yourself when you're single. And 
and marriage is is a beautiful thing, but it also requires you rediscovering that person and, and not ignoring it like that winter season. There's so many nuggets of truth here, and I hope that I hope they listen with very wide open ears. Yeah, and I appreciate that. And honestly, I look back at my dating relationship with John, and you'll read about that in True Love Dates in detail, but. I'm so grateful. Um, before John, I dated in a way that wasn't God's best for me. And then I took some time to get healthy and whole, and I took some time to be alone and get myself healthy standing alone and understand my identity and and, and receive healing from my past. And when I met my husband, John, I was where I needed to be. I was moving in God's direction, and our dating relationship was so good so uplifting, so life-giving that I remember when we were dating, I said to myself, one of these days, I want to write a book about our dating relationship. It was just kind of that fleeting thought, like just this is just so amazing that one of these days I want to show people that I've done things wrong, but there is a way to do things right. And it's so much better. And the way that we have dated has paved the way for our marriage today. Like I, I could talk for hours about how grateful I am to be married to him and what a blessing. He's my number one fan. He's my number one support system. I mean, he's him and I have completely different jobs, but he partners with me in ministry. Like all my website stuff behind the scenes is him. He travels with me on every speaking engagement. He sits in the front row. He's cheering me on. And I'm just, I, I just want people to know that it's not a, a pipe dream to hope and pray for a healthy relationship. And it's something that God wants to give you, but he wants you to do it in his way and in his time and to trust that he can make it happen if you're just willing to lean into him and what he has for you. Yes, friend. God doesn't want something for from you. He wants something for you, right? Amen. Oh, so, so good. All right. So this is called the Truth for Your 20s podcast. So one of the closing questions I always like to ask our guests is if you could have coffee with your 20-year-old self, what would you say? I would say, girl, get yourself healthy. Get yourself plugged into counseling. You are going to be a counselor one day, but you need counseling right now deal with your past, deal with the things that are hanging you up right now, find a licensed counselor who's also a believer and start the process of getting healthy right now while you're standing alone because the health of you, your health standing alone is going to pave the way for the health of your future relationship. Yes. I'm like, can I, can I get an amen? Somebody needs to retweet that. (laughs) That's what I needed to hear. Yes, same. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming today and sharing all your truths. I'm pretty confident girls are going to love this episode. Well, thank you so much. I'm, I'm excited to hear from you guys. If you have any questions, my email is Deborah at truelovedates.com, D-E-B-R-A. So reach out to me. I love hearing from you. And your Instagram handle? Is True love dates. Perfect. Easy to find. I find her on Instagram and she has quotes that are all share worthy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Wasn't she awesome? Seriously, check out her Instagram. I have to hold myself back from not sharing like every quote that she shares. Her Instagram is so good. 
But if something that was said here today resonated with you, please, girl, do us a solid and share it. That is the best compliment you can give podcasters. We often don't see how well you receive these messages on the other side of our screen. So please do us a favor and share it. If you tag me at Katie Bulmer Life, I will gladly reshare it. And I'm sure Deborah would love to hear that you love this episode too. She is at True Love Dates. Hey, my name is Hannah Boomer. Thanks for listening to my mom's podcast. Bye. (laughs) And our work here is done.